Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Week in Markets. I'm Richard Tang, the China strategist and the head of research in Hong Kong for Julius Baer. Now, the U.S. market has been much more resilient than most investors would have expected. Now that the crust of the first quarter results is behind us, the market is most focused on two things. One is the debt limit, and the other one is credit stress. So on the first issue, the Congressional Budget Office in the U.S. has warned that the country might run into significant risk of default in the first two weeks in June because Treasury might be running out of funds if no deal is reached between the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, our base case on this is a last-minute deal in which both parties would try really hard to negotiate for their own positions until the last moment when each side would just compromise and strike a deal. Now, I think it's worth noting that the last nine debt ceiling incidents all ended with a last-minute deal, and there is no reason to think that this time would be much different. I believe This is also the prevailing assumption for most market participants. And for the market, it means that the treasury bills and the U.S. stock markets may have some temporary volatility because of all these debt ceiling headlines, but we will end up being fine. Now, what needs a more careful look in our opinions is obviously the credit stress that became more evident after the SVB failure. From the latest loan officer survey by the Fed and also the NFIB survey, credit has indeed become tighter and it's more difficult for small businesses to get a loan. It remains to be seen how the credit tightening is going to affect the broader part of this economy, especially those U.S. companies that do not have public market assets. This, of course, increases the probability of a U.S. recession, so we're now assuming it to happen with a 50% chance. But all these being said, our audience may be surprised how well the U.S. market has held up considering everything that's under focus this year, including inflation, including rate high cycle, credit stress, recession, and then now debt limit. If I have to answer the question why, the first thing that I would say is that the investor positioning is generally light, especially on the institutional side. Fund managers have got increasingly cautious about the U.S. market outlook, and the latest data shows that the positioning on the heavy index weights, which are mostly the megatech, have continuously reduced. But this light positioning is adding performance pressure to them, because a number of these top index constituents presented good earning stories during the reporting season, be it Meta, Netflix, or Microsoft. So good stories plus low positioning means that the stock bounces really, really hard. And for most of these fund managers, the pain trade is currently up. Also, as we're winding down the U.S. reporting season, we're on track to record 2023 as the year of the second largest corporate buyback, and that supports share prices from a liquidity standpoint. In any case, the U.S. market has been so well discussed that in the second part of this podcast, we want to talk about a new idea, which is Japan. This market is back to the radar screen of global investors again. In the beginning of this year, it's about the outlook of the yield curve control and the rates and the currency. Now, the focus seems to have shifted to the fact that Japan is a beneficiary of reopening, that Warren Buffett has increased its stakes in Japanese companies, and that Tokyo Stock Exchange is now demanding low-valuation companies to come up with ways to improve their ROE and also shareholder returns. So what do we think about Japan as an opportunity for this year? First, 
Warren Buffett increased his stakes in five trading companies that he has invested since the summer of 2020. He's not investing in the broader Japanese market. Naturally, one would just guess that oh, cheap valuation may be the reason he invests in these Japanese stocks for him being a value investor. But we think that the bigger reason is actually the higher ROEs of these trading companies. Now, these five companies earn ROEs north of 20%, with only one exception. But the broader Japanese market has only eight percent of ROE. So even though both are cheap, the investment values may be different. Second, do we see any chance, or how can Japanese companies improve their own ROEs? Now, some investors argue that wage inflation is strong, so that could drive price hikes and eventually profitability and ROE improvements. We see some positive changes for sure, but they are not enough to call a trend. In fact, the initiative from TSD may or may not be a game changer because this has happened before. In the past, similar campaigns have led to rally in the market, let's say for a few months, but the move didn't really sustain because very often the corporate did not really change, and we still need to be convinced why this time may be different. So, in conclusion, we feel more confident getting into specific Japanese stocks rather than the overall market. We're keeping our market weight stance on the broader Japanese market. But highlight quality stocks in Japan as a focus of implementation. We advocated this basket a year ago. It outperformed the broader market by a wide margin, and we are now reiterating this recommendation. Finally, how should the yen fit in the entire picture? Now that inflation seems to be real, our economists expect that the Bank of Japan they may widen the band or eventually abolish the yield curve control, which should cause some appreciation of the yen against the dollar. In the past, this is negative to Japan equities because of it being an export-oriented economy. However, for various reasons, we note that this fixed equity correlation is now weakening. So, an appreciating yen should actually add onto the total investment return for a U.S. dollar investor. Okay, so that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for our next podcast. Goodbye for now. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Bayer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbayer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast. Constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com/legal/podcast for further important legal information.